Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. What's up, everybody? My name's Indy, and I'm sitting here with Mr. Jay Powell from Powell Group Consulting, and this is Indie Game Business, and today we have special guest Jim Mulford, and we are talking about retail programs, and um, yeah, let's let's talk about this here. All right. <laughs> so... Welcome to the show, Jim. It's, it's good to have you on here, and I appreciate you uh, opting in to do this an hour earlier than we usually do. I know you're a couple hours behind us, so you're like us. You're still getting your coffee in. Exactly. Uh, we always like to start with the whole walk us through your career and how you got into the game industry, but you've only recently come to the game industry, so <laughs> I'm going to mix that up and say, Walk us through your career and tell us why you've come to the game industry. Well, that yeah, that makes sense, Jay, and I appreciate that. So uh, career is is long and varied, uh, and I'll make it very short. So I'm actually a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy. I went uh, with a plan to, to fly and fight, uh, but uh, because of my height, I'm six foot five, I was disqualified from flying. Uh, so I fo- my focus was on uh, technology and computer science, and so I went ahead, got my degree. Uh, was fortunate enough that I could, uh, you know, move in to uh, get my master's right away at UCLA. And you know, it was an interesting time. Uh, came out of that, so spent eight years in the Air Force doing varied things, uh, primarily focused on uh, delivering technology solutions for the Air Force. Uh, and then I moved in, uh, re- re- uh, resigned, uh, moved into corporate America, uh, had a, uh, a, a short, relatively short career uh, being in uh, Fortune 500 companies, delivering uh, complex systems integration solutions, and then uh, got the entrepreneurial bug. And so uh, three of us uh, started a company with our life savings, $10,000 each. Uh, started a uh, systems integration business, which basically focused on what was emerging as the internet uh, and uh, did a lot of work in uh, how do you take a very uh, heterogeneous environment and begin to uh, connect all that with uh, various uh, protocols and solution sets. And, uh, you know, gaming was certainly just an imagination at that point. And, uh, so in 86, we started our integration company, uh, SSDS. Uh, over, over a period of about 10 years, we grew that to uh, several hundred employees, uh, 14 offices, and um, eventually sold that to a Fortune 500 company. Uh, spun out a uh, outsourced recruitment company, again, focused on bringing technology solutions to a uh, major business opportunity. Uh, we went through, um, we're growing that, had about 150 employees, uh, uh, we're in the 15 to $20 million uh, revenue run rate, we're uh, going through a major uh, private offering, and uh, the dot-com crash occurred, 75% of our clients were dot-com, 
So I've been through the the upside of entrepreneur being an entrepreneur and the downside. We did survive. Uh, we eventually sold that company, ten cents on the dollar, became a part of IBM's outsourcing. So after that, I invested in in various companies. Always had an interest in, in applying technology to uh, business solutions. And uh, then uh, a friend of mine said, "You got to you know come over and, and help me." And uh, we're trying to bring. Uh, a retail uh, solution set to um, you know to or a uh, loyalty solution set to the retail marketplace. So I began to uh, support him and with some investment, and eventually got the bug, and and we jumped in. And over the last ten years, uh, really been focused on uh, loyalty uh, programs and how do you make those more effective in the retail space. Uh, we can talk more about that, and then. Um, uh, over the last couple of years, we've looked at the uh, you know the opportunities that are being presented in the mobile and video gaming marketplace, uh, and you know we'll talk about how, or certainly can talk about how that impacts. But that's that's sort of my career. Uh, I'm uh, married uh, for 45 years, have three daughters, wonderful daughters, uh, and uh, their families. So I'm blessed. Jay, I see you on mute. I can't hear you. Yeah, I'm just talking to myself here. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> it, it never fails. The minute the show goes live, I have like six things ping. It's like people start calling me on the phone and everything else. Um, there you go. So we know that there are existing loyalty programs in the industry. Like if you buy... A, a game on a switch you get nintendo coins and microsoft right. has their microsoft rewards mm -hmm. that lets you earn points for doing things like doing bing searches or hitting achievements in in uh, xbox games but no one has done anything similar to what at least us in america are used to with the loyalty programs at retail where we, you've got your little uh, you used to have to have your little key fob you don't really have to have it anymore now so Let's start there. How do those traditional retail loyalty programs generally work? Yeah, that's a great question, Jay. So, you know, one of the things that we have to recognize is that, you know, Accenture did a study recently that said over 90% of retail uh, businesses have a loyalty program of some sort. And so, you know, when you look over the 70 year history of loyalty programs in the retail industry, uh, they are many and varied. I mean, you can start as simple as uh, issuing, uh, you know, back in the day, issuing coupons in the newspaper, right, to to drive traffic. I mean, what's what's ultimately you have to start with? What's the business reason for having a loyalty program? And it's really, um, you know, from a business perspective, it's to uh, increase my uh my uh, customer traffic uh, and retain my loyal customers over a longer period of time with the net impact of, of impacting my monetization. I mean, that's that's why businesses do it, right? And so uh, there are various ways of doing that. Uh, you know, coupons have transitioned uh, into full, being fully digital, uh, becoming much more targeted, uh, which is really a key part of any loyalty program in today's space. Um, Cards-based solutions have existed for many years. Having your loyalty card, you know, it's interesting. The uh, 
in the retail space, or I should say across retail, travel and leisure, financial systems, uh, the average American ha is, is a participant in between 12 to 15 loyalty programs. So, so there are a lot of programs. It's a very crowded space. Um, the, the way the, the better programs work, and that's really where we should focus, is uh, they tend to be focused on retention more so than acquisition, although both are important to a business. Uh, it, you know, it's been shown that uh, you know, 75% of consumers would make another purchase if, if they're uh, receiving some sort of loyalty reward. Uh, one of the one of the things that Groupon discovered when they came out early on into that space was that they weren't targeted and they were focused on heavy discounting. And so everybody in the marketplace would see a, a Groupon coupon go and, and, you know, join the line and get that 50 percent off. Uh, but it it didn't it didn't connect now now what what's next right and so it was a one-time thing and that's that's really a key thing that we think we have to understand in loyalty is that it's a difference between uh, just a discount and providing a uh, an offer that makes sense to the consumer and will want to attract them and keep them coming back to improve the lifetime value um Another thing that that you'll see in the retail space that you know I think is not heavy in the um, gaming space yet is cross promotion. So you go to the grocery store, you get your points, and you can go and fill up your tank and get points, you know, cents off at the pump. And and uh, more and more of that type of cross promotion is occurring. And it's really driving, uh, you know, an industry tend to trend towards multi-retailer or coalition-type programs, uh, programs such as Five Star, Groupon has started to transition into that space, uh, Rakuten, Dosh, Fig, or these are all, you know, brand names that are are literally uh, working a retail loyalty program across tens and hundreds of thousands of, of merchants across not only the U.S. but internationally, and so. So what's the purpose of that? Well, it's to create added value to the consumer who then becomes loyal to that, that whole set of retailers. Um, it, it creates a common reward mechanism. It's a, you don't have to carry, you know, 12 different IDs on your uh, mobile app or, you know, uh, put in your phone number at different places. It really becomes a single solution. And the second key part of that is they excuse me, they are uh, card-linked offers, so uh, you don't have a lot of friction at the point of sale. So I guess, you know, the, the, the better, you know, way to summarize is that the best re uh, retail loyalty programs of today are multi-retailer, a common set of rewards that really create value. In other words, uh, I, I, I suspect a lot of people, a lot of us uh, that have traveled have uh, loyalty points in uh, airline miles, hotel points, car rental points that are sitting there dormant because you don't have to be used for them. So the fact that you know a company like Rakuten can offer cashback rewards that are valuable across multiple retailers really uh, enhances the that that type of uh, solution. Uh, they don't. The other thing is a, a great program can't add friction. And I think that's particularly true in the gaming industry, right? You don't want to be uh, intensely in the middle of a game and uh, have your uh, 
loyalty rewards program interfering with that. So, you know, they have to be uh, something that that uh, creates no friction with the primary purpose of the business. In the retail space, that means, you know, it's as simple as uh, making my payment at the time of sale and the loyalty rewards that have been targeted to me kick in. Um, that's that's quick overview, but it you know it's a seventy year history. It's as you know varied. Uh, uh, a lot of retailers come into the space thinking, well, I just got to attract new customers. Yeah, that's key, but retention is is even more important. And I think in the gaming industry, you know, free to play games, uh, premium games, um, you know, need a way to enhance that lifetime value. So. Uh, hopefully that gives you a quick overview of that, uh, how they work today. Any questions or follow-up questions on that? Well, I mean, yeah, I used to have hotel and airline points and then I didn't travel for a year and a half and now they're all pretty much <laughs> shot to hell. So that, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> me and everybody else in the industry. All right. So I, I want to say real quick, if one, no matter where you are listening, if it's on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or Twitch, wherever we are, if you've got questions, pop them into chat. We'll see them here live and we'll be able to you know, pass them over to Jim and get them answered. And today we are, it's our first run at doing this simultaneously with a live podcast stage on Discord as well. So for all of our friends in Discord, pop a question in the aptly named podcast questions chat and Dan will get it and, and get it taken care of. So why, I mean, you've been working in our industry now for year or so why do you think that this model hasn't carried over because at a certain level it seems like such a, a no-brainer why hasn't somebody done this in the industry yet yeah that's i think it's a great question um there the, i and again i you know as you said i i haven't been in the gaming industry for a long time but in terms of you know what we've looked at in research i think there's a a couple of key reasons. One is, you know, as I mentioned, you don't want to introduce that friction. And a lot of times when you, uh, you know, you add a rewards program, it, uh, you know, it can, uh, you know, have some requirement of, of uh, you know, uh, impacting the, the game experience. And you certainly don't want that. I think secondly, the, 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 some of the programs that you mentioned early on, you know, Microsoft rewards and, you know, the, the platform rewards and the various programs that are out there, uh, they, don't really have a direct impact on the the gaming experience because they you know they don't really uh, build up a value that that is is deemed to be uh, worth uh, the effort upon the part of the gamer to to really become a part of that program. Um, I would also say that here's a key differentiator, and and uh, you know I'd be interested in in other people's thoughts on this as we move forward, but in the retail space, the transactional component of making a determination of how to easily issue and redeem reward value is in place. It's called the Card Association Network. Uh, the Card Association Network uh, links uh, merchants, it links uh, processors, it links uh, you know solution sets that can, can connect into that in real time and issue and redeem rewards. You know, card linked offers. Um, don't need a separate infrastructure to support all that. So, you know, we can look at, uh, you know, some of the base platforms like Steam or, you know, 
certainly uh, Roblox has, has, you know, put in some some Robux uh, solution set that, you know, sort of works across that environment. So I think one of the, the missing ingredients in the in the gaming industry is that ability to share, easily share in-game events and to take that transactional value and based on that is to um, monitor uh issued offers you know that are targeted and then to reward uh, something of value like uh you know a uh, reward that i can go right back into the game and make additional purchases or you know e you know go in the rackington model cashback rewards that give me the flexibility to really uh take the value that i've earned in that game and turn it into something that you know i can I can go out in the marketplace and, you know, uh, buy my family a meal because uh, they're not happy with me that I spent the, the last eight hours uh, playing my game. Uh, Jim, do you know anything about the Razor loyalty program? Um, I I know of it. You know, I'm not an in-depth expert on it. So uh, Okay, because well, there was a question uh, from our Discord uh, that said, what, what are the lessons learned from the prior Razor loyalty program? They seem to have put serious effort to push it across a few continents and have their own hardware sources and logistics network. Yeah, and uh, you know, I wish I had uh, more insight. I can certainly we can get back on that to to give some of the lessons learned. I would I would expect that you know a lot of times when when programs are introduced uh, into the marketplace, uh, they take a uh, there's too much. Uh, you know, proprietary hardware software that make it difficult. Uh, you know, sometimes the the friction component that I talked about. Um, you know, I'll give you an example in the uh, retail space. The five stars program was was a very uh, you know coalition loyalty uh, intended to provide uh, very targeted offers to allow uh, shoppers across a multitude of cons of retailers. The problems they had is is that it was a it was a difficult integration at the point of sale. Uh, which created friction with the merchants, and then it also created friction with the consumers. In uh, yeah, they carried a single rewards card, but they also had to uh, spend a lot of time at the point of sale, uh, making sure that their reward value was was captured. So, I wish I I had more insight. I, I apologize for not. Uh, but that, those are some of the things that typically pop up in uh, programs like that. I, I can chime in here. Sure. One of the problems with Razor's program is the same thing that you see with Nintendo and Microsoft and everybody else. It's primarily, and not completely, but it's primarily focused on buy their stuff and, you know, we'll give you discounts on more of our stuff or a select number of games. Mm -hmm. And yep. you're not really getting outside of what, you know, Razor's ecosystem there. You know, they've got to a good loyalty program and an airline industry is a good example because the airlines got together and formed these conglomerates where you can fly on United and I don't know who's attached to who, but I'm just, as an example, you can fly on United, but you can use points on American. That's where a lot yeah. of these programs falter. They're fantastically good for loyalty. And this is why it works better on like a Nintendo or a Microsoft or something else, because you're buying you have an Xbox, you're buying a lot of Microsoft stuff. You have a Nintendo, you're buying a lot of Nintendo stuff. Yeah. If you have a Razer mouse, you may not necessarily be buying a lot of Razer headphones and keyboards and everything else. So in many ways, it's still too narrow 
basically is what it boils down to. Yeah. They have more options in there than a lot of the loyalty programs do because you can get access to games on Steam. But what you can't get is straight up cash to use on anything. And their network of partners still isn't, you know, overly deep. Yeah. I think that's, uh, and, and I can bring again back some retail experience on that, Jay. That's a great point. Um, one of the things that was very uh, ubiquitous in the uh, in the retail space was uh, those siloed programs. I mean, there were tens of thousands of programs where I, I would have, uh, you know, uh, you know, three visits to my my hair salon, and I only needed seven more, and I'd be able to get a free haircut. Well, those things over time uh, become less attractive because they're very specific to that solution. And so, you know, a retailer would say, "Well, why should I join something like Rakuten, where I'm giving out cash or rewards, and the consumer can go anywhere they want and spend that cash?" Well what was proven was that it actually becomes more valuable not only to the consumer which is obvious you know if i'm getting cashback rewards and i can spend it anywhere that's very valuable to me but also to the retailer because now the the consumer really saw something of, of great value and know that they were going to receive targeted offers for those those retailers where they shop regularly and it was going to be valuable to them not um, you know, seven haircuts from now, but today. It's, um, th you know, another example in the industry. If you remember when the first Xbox launched and Microsoft included achievements, which were pretty, I can't remember exactly. They were either the first company to do it or extremely close to it. Microsoft heavily governed the achievements that you could have in a game. Initially, you were only allowed to have a thousand achievement points in a game. And they were very picky about how you could earn those in the game because they knew, and we saw at retail, there was a huge value. People would buy specific games. The King Kong game comes to mind, you know, immediately because they knew it was easy as hell to get a thousand, you know, achievement points out of it. And back then you couldn't even use those points for anything. They didn't have a rewards program. It was just basically bragging rights. But over the last you know, 15 years, it's not that, you know, buying, you don't see anybody going out and buying games just so they can rack up the achievement points in them. And the ones that do, it's a very, I mean, very, very, very small focused group of people in the industry, but that's why they had to evolve. And, and now you've got the rewards program that inter, you know brings in Bing or Edge or whatever it's called now uh, and a lot of yeah. other stuff. So it's one of those things that just like you know, Jim saying with the, getting a free haircut after 10 other ones, it's not that attractive after a while. It's the same thing that we've seen in our industry. And so this is you know, very much one of those we're at loyalty program 3.0 stage in, in the industry at this point. Um, yeah. So from, from a high level, and you can go into as much detail in this as, as you want to, Jim, we understand that if you get a reward for something, you tend to want to come do it. But how do they specifically drive that top line and bottom line revenue? And what are the, the KPIs? What are those key performance indicators that need to be looked at? Sure. Yeah. So, 
you know, as I as I mentioned early on, the you know the 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 focus of any loyalty program has to be on driving that top line, bottom line growth, or you know, what's the purpose? You know, it's um, one of the you know the studies that was put out by Ben and Cooper show uh, did a very extensive study of the retail industry and found that just a five percent boost in customer retention can translate to a twenty five percent increase in profit. So. Everything that relative to uh, driving that top line and bottom line growth has to be about retention. I mean, think about in the gaming industry, free to, free to play games that come out and, uh, you know, you want to drive uh, retention to get your lifetime value out of that game. Well, if if uh, the game is interesting, and but, it, but people start to drop off after 30 days, what are your what are your options to uh, to drive that increased retention? You certainly can. Uh, you know, offer more uh, playtime and more, you know, in-game uh, assets uh, to play the game. But at some point, you, you start to lose those customers. And so, you know, when you look at, you know, what are the the key performance indicators from the retail industry, you know, they're, they're tracking very carefully in the, uh, you know, the more advanced uh, retail program or loyalty programs today, uh, repeat visits, uh, you know, purchasing trends. Because it's not just about, you know, I'm I'm retaining that customer, but I'm retaining them to take certain actions that will lead to monetization. So, uh, you know, targeted offers become very important. Uh, one retail uh, uh, solution that was very effective in that marketplace that was very targeted would take, you know, basically all the transactional data and uh, determine, you know, what specific offer would be available to any so it was is a one-on-one -on -one type of marketing i guess what i'm saying so so jay who had not yet visited uh you know that local pizza shop would get a targeted offer that would give him a 20 percent off on his uh you know first visit and then he'd immediately be targeted you know with a follow-up offer for you know his uh next three pizzas and and again it was primarily focused on cashback so uh, you know, that, that, you know, being able to monitor purchasing trends in terms of KPIs, you know, the frequency, uh, the market basket size, uh, the issued rewards against that, uh, metrics such as, uh, you know, the rewards uh, redeemed divided by rewards issued, or what is the overall value of the reward? How valuable is it, you know, if, uh, uh, you know, it goes back to, you know, if I'm issuing free, uh, free haircut after 10 visits, and I'm only getting, uh, you know, uh, two uh, percent redemption on that. That's that's pretty poor. I mean, that was that was why general couponing really fell out of flavor because, you know, uh, Valpac and all those major promotional components were good. They had some targeting by geography, but the you know the attraction rates were down in the one. If you did three percent, you were hitting a home run. Where with with uh, targeted offers, uh, you know, we're seeing, you know, 10, 15 percent um, uh, return on, uh, you know, actual uh, participation based upon the targeting. So uh, engagement, you know, ad engagement, you know, uh, you know, click throughs become an important part of that. And then uh, ultimately, it's the, the lifetime value of that customer being able to measure that uh, and uh, and then. Uh, you know, uh, it's 
it's, you know, with, with the number of marketing options that any business has today, I don't care if you're a, a game publisher, game developer, if you're a retailer, uh, your customer acquisition costs continue to go up because there's a lot of noise out there, right? I mean, how do I compete on Facebook? How do I compete on other social media in terms of differentiating my myself in the marketplace? So, you know, I, another key uh, KPI relative to that is is what is my cost of customer acquisition and how am I driving that? Uh, smart retailers look at their loyalty program as another marketing channel, and and that's how they use it. Um, the uh, you know I, I mentioned earlier Groupon uh, they initially were not targeted they've they've moved more in that direction but they've always had challenges. And, uh, you know, not having a targeted offer is like, you know, what's the difference between discounting and issuing a loyalty reward? Well, discounting is available normally to anybody. So, you know, I walk in the store, I see uh, something with a 20% discount. If that's attractive to me, I buy it. Doesn't matter if it's my first time visit or my hundredth time visit. Where with a loyalty reward, you can target that to the buying patterns and uh, really make it much more valuable to the consumer. And of course, <clears throat> that in turn increases retention and becomes more, much more valuable to the business. Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all those speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. So many people got fed up with the Bed Bath and Beyond offers that everybody got in the mail that they actually created a change.org petition on yeah. <laughs> for, the, yeah. for the White House to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> or to permanently discount everything by 35% of the store, whatever it was. Right. Um, yeah. So this is something we talk about marketing, but that also carries over into you know outside of traditional marketing into discoverability. You know, one of the key things that developers and, and publishers alike are out there always trying to do is find new and more cost-effective ways to you know, get their games discovered. How does the breakdown, where does that line get drawn between I'm in a group and an organization that's helping my game get discovered versus people are playing my game, but spending the rewards in another game. That's the two sides of the coin that we see a lot how does how can one go in and, and effectively use that because anything that gives you a, a better shot at discoverability in the market today is good it's just right. a matter of how how you manage that yeah yeah so i think discoverability is 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 a very interesting and, and very important part of that because uh you know i as a consumer uh, if I'm, you know, as a retail, you know, in the retail space, I'm not going to shop just one, one location, right? I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, go to maybe multiple grocery stores. 
Uh, I'm going to go to, uh, you know, multiple, uh, you know, I may, I, I, you know, I may have certain, you know, parts of my uh, experience that I, I tend to focus on one merchant, but I tend to work across, you know, in any, you know, for any, any consumer, they're going to be across, you know, 10, 15, 20 different retailers. So, uh, discoverability in terms of what is valuable and what isn't valuable for any given retailer can be done in a couple of ways. One is uh, I do that on a you know a siloed approach, or I, you know through my own advertising uh, channels, through my own marketing channels, mm-hmm. or I, I I become a part of a coalition that that broadens that that marketing. And and you know uh, probably a trivial example of that is you know what why did uh, you know, in the old days, why did Valpac or why did, uh, you know, uh, mass couponing or why did newspapers exist? And that was because they were a, a single source of, uh, you know, a channel that could be uh, used across multiple retailers. Well, the same thing's true in, uh, in the loyalty reward space. That's why uh, siloed loyalty programs are becoming out of favor in the retail space. And it's going to much more of a coalition solution set where the value to the retailer is really how how effective can I target my offers. Uh, the channel uh, becomes easy because I as a consumer now am part of that, you know, Rakuten. Uh, you know, if I want to, uh, if I'm tied into Rakuten, I've got my cards linked. Uh, I, I know that in a single uh, uh, web experience, I can uh, quickly identify where my uh, retailers are and, and connect into them. So, uh, and then and then the question, the other side of that coin, as you said, Jay, is all right. So I'm getting this uh, this reward that can be used anywhere. You know, whether that's uh, airline miles across multiple airlines or uh, actual cashback. Uh, why is that beneficial to me as a uh, game publisher or as a retailer? And, you know, again, it comes back to the lower cost of discoverability. That's one thing. Secondly, is that because I'm part of that larger ecosystem, the consumers or the gamers or the retailers are now going to heavily focus on that channel. And they're going to keep coming back to those that are participating in that channel. So, you know, it's uh, it's been proven in the retail industry, and I think it'll be proven in the gaming industry that long-term targeted offers and uh, coalitions or uh, multi-business uh, uh, rewards programs are the way to go. Uh, Dan, so I saw we had a question from yeah. Dan. Okay. You got <laughs> or you want me to do it? I'll do it. You do it. Dan, Dan. Oh, so Dan Silver says, so we've established Razor's silver's issue that is contained to razor's ecosystem how would you go about creating a multi-developer reward program by community like igb by location etc yeah so um it's a great question i think uh you know a multiple developer reward program really comes comes to play in terms of um you know is there a solution set that you can you know link into uh, as opposed to create that from scratch, right? So, uh, and I'm not, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, as I said, uh, you know, I'm not in-depth uh, understanding Razor's uh, ecosystem, so I don't want to overstep there. But, you know, there's other programs that have moved into the uh, retail space like Kumaluma, which has, you know, some coalition loyalty rewards aspects of it. I'm not 
promoting them uh, in any research of the imagination, but I'm giving you an example of how you can, you know, you can tie into these. I think the the second thing is is really, uh, you know, finding a solution set out there that's that's going to uh, uh, provide a valuable reward. And from a <clears throat> game publisher, game developer point of view, um, is it is it something that uh, has a a marketing channel that's going to lower my my customer acquisition costs. I think starting from scratch across multiple developers would be difficult, uh, and I'm not sure necessarily. Of course, I, that's my that's my systems integration uh, background because I always am uh, an advocate to say that if there's if there's existing uh, solution sets out there that you can integrate in with that are that don't create friction, then that's where you need to seriously uh, Look, am I hitting the mark on that, Daniel, do you think, in terms of answering that question? Well, I can say it's an excellent question, Dan. <clears throat> and speaking of that question and forming a community like with IGB, which I hadn't even thought of. That's a good idea. It's like, okay, yeah. well, there's the IGB discount community. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So Jim is trying to get some sort of a correlation going. And there's a special incentive that they've got to, as long as you meet the requirements. So if you are out there and you have a game on the App Store, it needs to be mobile at this point in time. So a free-to-play game on an App Store that's live in Unity, because the tech has got the Unity SDK in it, it's not yet running on Unreal or anything else, but in Unity, and you've got at least a 1,000 daily active users, Jim's going to give you $5,000 to sign up and get going before you do anything. So if that is interesting to you and you fit those requirements, ping me a, a DM on Discord or email me and I will get you all the details. But that's exactly what, you know, we're working on doing is, is getting that community built together and, and growing it. And as a way to kickstart that, uh, Acquire Exchange is actually going to pay you to implement their tech. Correct? Yeah. No, no, no. I should have no. just piped in and went five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I I mean you but you know, we're not gonna go into our solution set because we were gonna focus on the overall industry. But I you know, I do think it's important for uh businesses that are in the uh you know, like ourselves that are that are have spent time in the loyalty rewards business. Our customers are are the in, in the in the gaming industry are the 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 developers that we're certainly focusing on the uh, the indie developers to start and you know providing a coalition and not uh, making this something well you come in and, and pay us uh, a licensing fee and you can get on this program no it, we've got to make that you know you're a, we're a partner you know the way I think is an important part of creating this type of coalition. And we're there to bring value to the to our business partners in terms of meeting those uh, KPIs that we talked about and and getting enhanced monetization. And if we can prove that, then the value added solution to us as a business, because we're going to make money over the long term, is it's it's all going to be on a paper performance model where we we actually uh, uh, only we we get our results out of uh, you know other partnerships and and driving uh, more business to our to our partners. So, and again, it gets back to that discoverability thing and that extra bonus. And we've got to keep 
a long tail on this stuff. And you know, and full disclosure, yeah, we've been working with Jim for for several months now, and I endorse what he's doing because I truly haven't seen anything to this level done in the industry yet. Uh, but yeah, we are talking about like the the wide spectrum of things. But hell, I mean, if we can give developers five grand for for implementing it, we're going to do that. Um, so, what are the best practices that you see? in how to implement these things. We know that people, especially publishers and developers, get really, really nervous when you start talking to them about taking them out of the game into something else. But when you're implementing you know, these loyalty programs in games, what are the best practices that you see in terms of you know, when to do it, where to do it, what to offer, that sort of stuff? Right. So, you know, first of all, as I mentioned earlier, you don't want to you don't want to create that friction. So you want to have the ability to to sign up for your whatever the rewards program is to be, you know, pretty non intrusive as it relates to the gamer. You know, it's it's maybe you're automatically signed up just by being, uh, you know, playing in the game. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, t- the reason I really advocate of, of, you know, having the targeted offers uh, the defining of those offers, the uh, the uh, using different channels to uh, advocate those offers outside the game is that you want to reduce that friction uh, and you want to use best practices and you want to use the best channels to get access to them. You know whether that's uh, social media, whether it's a platform uh, play, what and uh, you know work across that. Uh, you, you want to be targeted. I mean, those are, you know, targeted offers. I mean, if I just uh, want to give everybody a, a, a 20% discount on buying my next uh, game pack, uh, I can do that, but, you know, it's not going to necessarily drive uh, the long-term uh, value that I'm looking to get out of that that customer base. Uh, provide a really valuable reward. I mean, you know, again, that goes back to what we said. We don't want to... Uh, uh, just, you know, I think some, you know, it's interesting in a, in a, uh, a free to play game or even a premium game to, uh, to provide, uh, you know, in-game value through, uh, additional assets that you get because you achieve a certain level or, or, uh, because you engage with ads in a free to play game. But at some point those, those, uh, become less valuable because now I'm interested in moving on or, you know, I, I've lost for whatever reason, lost, uh, you know, my, my incentive to play that game. So I think having something that's really valuable, common reward, like I say, in the retail space, you know, cashback rewards have become pretty, uh, pretty much the industry standard. Uh, you want to have, you got to have uh, access to those KPIs. So, you know, strong tracking uh, abilities to be able to say, you know, am I achieving my necessary results? And, and again, I think, uh, a solution set that that you don't have to integrate all that from scratch makes sense, right? Because you want to have, you know, easy to access dashboards that you can monitor as the developer or publisher of that game and see if the results are as you expected. If not, then you adjust your targeting, you adjust the uh, the reward values uh, to make sure that that, uh, you know, is improving. You test, you, you iterate and you evolve. And then, um, you know, I think... Uh, you know, what are the promo channels are, are key to, to any of this? Because ultimately it comes down to uh, marketing your game and getting more consumers and retaining those that you have over long, get the, the lifetime value out. 
All right, so we've got another interesting question here from Discord from Veronique. Do you have any advice or insights for paradox monetization model, meaning the game plus infinite DLCs? Okay, so... Uh... <laughs> Now we're throwing Jim into the deep end. All right, <laughs> that's right. You want it in here? This is yeah. It. So, so now, now, now you you're you're testing my gaming skills, which uh, which is going to be uh, you know uh, a real challenge. So I, I can I can help you with this one, Jim. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the struggle implementing. I like the fact that we're going to call it the paradox model. We can also call it the no man's sky model and multitudes of other games that do a premium release. And then, you know, they don't charge for DLCs or paradox. Gotcha. States, they yeah. do yeah. for download content. Sure. Isn't that the way that games used to work though? They would, you would just like buy a game and then you get all this free content because they fix it. <laughs> well, I mean, but no, so one, so one, when we had to put stuff back in, back in a box and put it on a shelf there was no fixing it you know it was like whatever ship shipped and that was occasionally you would get to download some massive update but not all the time the the, the struggle with always being able to pump out you know dlc after dlc after dlc especially when you're doing it you know for free you know it, it, like no man's sky has done it's like you know i, I got back into state of decay 2 recently because i was reading a book about zombies and they're up to like their 25th update and there's mm -hmm. been minimal dlcs the problem is how do you pay for the development of that dlc if you're not getting revenue in and you haven't like put it away and and, and saved it up from your retail launch and you know having a program like this is going to allow you to have those customers to come back and you're earning they're earning little stuff here and there by keeping them engaged you're able to sell them more stuff later on and that's what you want to be able to do whether it's a a free-to-play game or a premium game you know everybody knows here i'm a big fan of the the trees brothers and, and star trader frontiers they've done what, over a hundred different updates on that game and they've never charged anybody a dime for it so it's a matter of you know having a loyalty program is going to keep your players around and but if your players are around even if they aren't spending extra money on the game themselves they are creating a baseline amount of buzz to bring other players in and so that's what you're looking for now obviously if you've got dlc in there you've got something paid to go along with it that's going to help too but you yeah. know, a program like this is, is going to help you keep those players that you've already got and if you're keeping them, then they are evangelizing your game to new players as well. Yeah. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Jay. The evangelizing, evangelizing to other players is really a key part of that. Uh, and and there are reward mechanisms, you know, for doing that. You know, referrals and, and all those are, are pretty common in the in the retail space. But I think I think even more so is that, you know, it comes back to what you said, Jay, is that, you know, whether the the DLC is free, whether it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, upgrades. What is the monetization strategy of the, the business? I mean, is it to, to sell the next premium game? Uh, is it to uh, add additional value that, that has some, some cost? Is it to drive uh, additional players? You know, all those things can be thought out and then you can, you can refine, you know, a good rewards program then will allow you to quickly respond to that business objective and define your offers around those business objectives. 
You know, you don't you don't just want to throw something up against the wall and hope it works. Yeah, we never do that in this industry. That's <laughs> The, the throwing against the wall and seeing if it sticks is a fundamental part of game development, Jeff. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the catch well, that comes in there. Well, um, I, I know agile development works well, so yeah. All right, so we got about ten more minutes here. If you've got questions, pop them in either the podcast questions chat on Discord or in whatever video platform that you're watching us on right now. So down the line, once you get this coalition started as, as we're saying started for developers and, and publishers and things like that how do you see you know this working long term for both the mobile game industry and you know, premium games because this does apply to both what do you see as you know the future of loyalty programs a year from now two years from now yeah, so I think it's going to go very much the way of the retail. And the reason I say that is because, you know, it's a, it's a learning experience. And, and the good news from the gaming industry is we've got a lot to learn from the retail industry. So the ability to, to not have to go through, uh, you know, a siloed a loyalty program and then move into some form of coalition and then some form of targeting, uh, that's already been, uh, you know, the retail space has already gone through that evolution. And I think the gaming industry and and is I will be you know and I can you know point to some examples of this, uh, but is jumping in to be uh, you know having solution sets where you can be much more targeted with your offers uh, and the achievement of those offers to uh, to uh, achieve the individual businesses monetization uh, targets and uh, their top line bottom line growth. So you know tying them around those having. Uh, coalition programs that allow you to uh, reduce your customer acquisition costs because you're sharing in in how uh, how your gamers get access to even knowing that you're out there, you know, with the number of games that are coming out every week, you know, it becomes more and more difficult. So it provides that sort of uh, you know platform uh, capability. I do think that longer term, you're going to see much more sophisticated uh, coalition rewards uh, components plugged into the major platforms, you know, whether it's Roblox, Steam, Skills, you know, Apple, Google, they all have rewards mechanisms, but I think you're going to see an ever-growing sophistication of that in, in the platforms. I think in the, uh, you know, in the IGB space, uh, you know, providing that sort of commonality of a, I'll call it a, a virtual platform, but, you know, for coalition loyalty may make a lot of sense. And then, uh, the other thing that we haven't talked about, but I'll I'll throw this out there because you you know you're as a as a uh, game publisher game developer you're always looking for what are those other value added revenue streams. Well, one of the things that we do is we're going to be having some some um, you know uh, you'll have uh, premium members that can upgrade their accounts and get access to the cashback rewards in the retail space to come back and and uh, fuel their their uh, gaming purchases. So. Uh, tying into to some of the fintech services that are financial technology services to allow for uh, unbanked or underbanked gamers to have access to, uh, you know, uh, an IGB uh, prepaid card to be able to go out and uh, use those uh, earned rewards. Uh, so I think that that integration and, and where I was going with that is that we as a uh, as a platform, a little rewards platform, will share some of those revenues back to our uh, game partners, uh, you know, that that to us is important because it creates another revenue stream. Not only is this a, 
you know, yeah, it costs to issue rewards, right? You're 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 putting out a reward value to the gamer, but the return is not only in terms of uh, enhanced monetization, enhanced um, increase in retention and acquisition of new customers, but there are also other shared revenue streams that can come back and, and add additional uh, revenue to your uh, top line and then, of course, drive bottom line. And we already you know, see this to an extent. I mean, not on the loyalty program side, but think about in the... Oh, the indicate indicate that's one of them but the who dan who is the group and i'm completely blanking on this who does used to do the booths at all the shows for, for indie developers indie games oh i don't recall what that company was but i indie know they did a booth. bunch there of booths. thanks danny um think about it in terms of like an indie mega booth type thing it's indie like mega booth, instead yeah. of you know bringing everybody together to you know create a centralized hub yeah. that you know consumers as well as publishers would come and they could go to one spot and see all these, you know, 20 or 30 different indie games that were you know, coming to the market. You do that on a level of a loyalty program where the teams are supporting one another like that. I mean, there's always going to be friction when you start getting into these bigger companies where Ubi's like, well, I don't know if we want to be, you know, encouraging people to play our game just so they're going to spend money on Activision games. I mean, we've seen Sony take that stance forever, you know, with their absolute iron fisted, you know, block of crossplay in, in the games. Now that's starting to break up a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's a, a level of friction that we're always going to hit. But indie developers are always been great about supporting one another and looking past that. And so this is a good way, you know, to to build on that to the next level. All right. Okay, so I, I don't see another question coming in shortly or coming in quickly. Any final thoughts, Jim? Well, uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. I, I would say that uh, my final thoughts would be let's let's take advantage of, of what's happened in the retail space and, and you know, learn from that. And, we you know, we have a great starting point for the gaming industry to, to move into the next round of uh you know increasing monetization retention i you know i'm happy to uh, answer any other questions as we move forward uh, we're we're in this uh, you know as i said my background systems integration my background is partnerships and so we view this as a partnership coming into the space uh bringing the uh, 10 years plus experience we've had operating this type of solution set in the retail marketplace knowing you know what's going on there and uh, hopefully adding some uh some value to the uh, to the uh, indie game business, and uh, you know, driving that to uh, success for everybody. Basically, what he's saying is, let's not reinvent the wheel, folks. This works, right? <laughs> let's do what works. Exactly. Exactly. It, it absolutely is one of the downsides of this industry. It's like you know, people that are coming from other industries into games look at it, and, and it's completely new. We don't do things the way that any. And I always tell people, you know. When I first met Jim and Bill, I was like, okay, take everything you know and toss it out the window because this is not a real space like anything else. But the people that are in the industry don't often look outside the industry on new ways to market games and new ways to do things and business models. It's our industry has always been very siloed, you know, either going out or coming in. 
And so, you know, yeah, this is a great example. It's of, like its own little lost island. Yes, exactly. Somebody, <laughs> except it's a huge island that's got right. tons of money in it, and yeah. nobody, you know, but nobody really looks outside the island for ideas. But yeah, this is one of those things that we're taking something that has been proven for seventy some years, hmm. and going, well, why wouldn't it work for games? And there's no reason it shouldn't. So, yeah. anyway. That's my my spiel. But if you've got, I just posted uh, Jim's link in the chat. So if you, for those of you listening, I'll I'll drop it in the podcast questions as well. Um, But you can always reach out to me. Like I said, full disclosure, I've been working with Jim for months. I know know what he's doing and I know why it's cool. Um, Reach out to me or reach out to, to Jim and Bill. They're great folks. And they've got something, you know, very interested and a bit groundbreaking in the industry and we're looking forward to seeing more great things so yeah great yeah thank you so much jim and thank you so much for tuning in to the indie game business we are on twitch and this is going to be a podcast on anchor.fm and all of your other normal podcast venues just look up indie game business and if you're not in here which a lot of people already are in our discord discord.gg slash indie game business come in there there's a ton of great resources and that the discord server is growing daily it's amazing you'll be surprised how many if you start digging in there how many resources are in there and how many people are in there that you probably want to know uh i just saw that one of the folks the, the head of publishing for humble games apparently joined us the other day so good to see you if, if you're out there listening um but yeah i, I even pruned inactive to you know members from the discord last week and we still got over 3200 industry experts in there and and newbies too that's the thing it's like it's a safe space it's wonderful Mm -hmm. you can ask any kind of question you want and somebody's gonna answer it all right so we will be back next friday with another guest who i'm not sure who it is right now because i don't have the calendar up dan do you know i don't have the calendar we'll figure it out i know it's super exciting it's super exciting (laughs) Oh, all righty. Jim, stick around for a second. To everybody else, thank you so much. Um, We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.